Hello, my name is Claire and you are listening to the Hypno Birthing Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I hope everyone is good. Today's episode is really exciting. Um, I spoke to Joe and Jerusha, who are two of the four incredible ladies who have made a documentary called Birth Time. It is all about birth, as you can uh, probably guess. It's actually based in Australia and on the Australian maternity system, but it's incredibly relevant for every single maternity system. Um, so I watched it and found it really resonated with me and how things are done here in the UK. Um, and I know for many of you listening in other um, parts of the world, it will be really relevant for you as well. So they came on to talk to me all about the documentary, why they made the documentary, their kind of findings from the documentary. We talked a bit about um, you know, that kind of continuity of care, why that's so important when it comes to giving birth um, and kind of the reasons that that's not there, what we could do about having that again. And it was really lovely to talk to them. So I will play the episode for you now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm joined by Jerusha and Joe, who are two of the amazing team who made the incredible documentary Birth Time. Um, if you could just both introduce yourself to the listeners, you know, who you are, where you are, and what you do, that would be great. Hi, I am Jerusha, Jerusha Sutton. I am a doula and a birth photographer and videographer. Uh, I've been working in birth since about 2006. Um, I have two young people. I have a five-year-old son and a 11-month-old daughter. Um, yeah, and I'm in, I mean, I have lived in Sydney for a very long time and I've in the last couple of months moved to northern New South Wales. Lovely. How nice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it, well, um, moved and then we got completely flooded. Yeah, so one so, of my really good friends has just moved that way from Sydney. Um, yeah. It's a bit warmer there, right? Am I right? Or were you yeah, yeah, around? absolutely. Yeah. Nice. So, were you yeah. okay with the floods? Did you? Yeah, fine. I mean, there's yeah. lot. There's devastation everywhere. It's yeah. it's actually hard to it's hard to um, grasp the extent of it. It's pretty. It's very extensive, and it will take months, if not years, to recover. My son's school got flooded, um, but I mean, we we have been very lucky, but very many people are not. You know, we drive to school and see houses being demolished now um, because they're just irreparable. It's just so extensive. So, yeah, it's been pretty, it's been a wild time to move here. I grew up in this area, so I know it very well. Um, but, yeah, it's been a crazy time to move. Wow. Yeah, no, I've uh, followed uh, followed it because of my friend. She's in that area as well and has been uh, showing, you know, videos and, and things like that of all of it. Just, yeah, it looks awful, but... Thank goodness that um, you're okay. That's the main thing, isn't it? Um, and Joe, you could introduce yourself. Yeah, hi. I'm Joe Hunter. I'm a privately practicing midwife. So, in the UK, um, they're, they're called independent midwives. Um, so I attend home births here in Sydney and, and surrounds. Um, I've also co-created Birth Time, and I've got four grown-up children, um, which is a nice place to be in life. Um, and I've also, I've done the opposite to Jerusha. I've moved from the Blue Mountains where I lived for 22 years and had much babies there um, and moved back to Sydney. So, yeah, I'm loving city life again. Um, okay. And, yeah, we're not flooded here, thankfully. 
No, yeah. Oh, how lovely. How did you guys all connect with each other? Did you, have you known each other for a really long time or was it just from being all part of the same birth world? That's how we met, through birth work. Um, Jerusha and I met first. Uh, you know, she was a doula and birth photographer and started uh, filming um, and photographing some of the births where I was the midwife or being the doula for, for the women. Um, and we sort of got talking about this idea of making a, a documentary around birth. My own midwife had made a film called The Labour of Love in the 80s, and it was basically followed a couple of independent midwives around and, and what they did for work, and it ended up being on the ABC. And anyway, we had this idea of sort of creating something like that, like a, a now version of it without the shoulder pads and perms um, and it, it became much bigger than that and then Zoe who's the third um, woman Zoe Naylor um, she employed me as her midwife for her home birth of her second baby and she employed Jerusha as the photographer and doula so um, we got talking to her and she, her and her husband are actors um, and sort of know that world um, so yeah she was the the missing link really and the three of us got together and we just went for it. And really we didn't, I mean, we we each had skills that we brought to the roles, but none of us really had a, a clue what we were doing. Like we started with, we YouTubed how to use, um, you know, the, the what's it called, Rue, the audio and the... Apparently we've made a film. <laughs> <laughs> We put in money and bought, bought the equipment and then YouTube how to, how to use it all and just started filming people. Um, I had the connections and Jerusha is an amazing photographer and an editor, so she had that connection and Zoe had the connections in the film world and it, we just, the three of us just all came together and it started small and it got bigger than Ben-Hur and then, yeah, now we've made this amazing uh, documentary that's won over 21 international film festival awards which we're all completely blown away by it's amazing you, these, and then you think of these ideas and then you do think how do you even get these off the ground but I mean you you can it's just amazing that you did that and that you found as you said your kind of missing link and you were able to put it together Sorry, Jerusha, well, and, and no, that's okay. Well, on that, we as as we started as we were film, moving along filming, we um, we filmed a woman. We interviewed a woman named Selena Scoble, who's an Olympian and was pregnant with her first baby at forty years old, and was having a pretty big experience in the maternity system with a few, you know, risk factors and navigating those things, um, and. She um, felt quite passionate about what we were doing and sort of saw uh, um, another missing link in what we formed as a team in that we didn't have a website, we didn't have any, you know, presence online, we didn't, you know, we were just bumbling along and she said, can I come on board and help you out? And so that, so Selena wasn't as much part of the making of the documentary. She has been an absolutely fundamental part of us carrying on as I guess a movement and a business and you know making to manage um you know the ongoing work that we are doing now so you know it really has been the four of us coming together from different very very different backgrounds and it just works yeah and there's absolutely no way we could have done it without her in fact there's no <laughs> way we could have done it without each of us but with yeah. Selena's yeah she's she's been 
post-production, you know, obviously she wasn't really involved in making the film, but but post-production, I mean, she's been absolutely incredible and there's no way we could have got it off the no. ground like we had without her. Yeah, she's been amazing. So she's our fourth person. Yeah. Yeah, it's the four of us now. Yeah. So can you give just a brief kind of rundown of what the documentary is actually about? I mean, obviously we know that it's about birth and the maternity system, but can you give a bit more of a kind of detailed um yeah, look at what people can expect to to learn uh, from watching the documentary. Do you want me to go? So the, the question, well, I'll start off with saying the question that we formulated very, very early on um, was that the question of what would it take for women to emerge from their births physically well and emotionally safe? So we see a lot of focus on... Um, the premise of all that matters is a healthy baby. As long as you get a healthy baby, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how you got there, which completely discredits, you know, a, a woman's experience of birth and um, completely takes away the fact that, you know, that rite of passage is a huge part of her experience of, of mothering. And so we wanted to, and, and also when we looked at birth trauma, we saw that it was it was very often moving in in a way of physical trauma, so you know perineal trauma and pelvic floor trauma. You know, it was all physical, and 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 there seemed to be a real lack of looking at the emotional well being of a woman when she came out of that birth experience. So that's hence the the question was formed about both physical and emotional safety, and and I guess um, one of the things that launched us into that was witnessing. Zoe in her birth. So the birth that she had Zoe, uh, Joe and I for was the birth of her second baby. She'd had her first baby in a birth center and on paper that birth looked like a very straightforward, great birth actually. She went to hospital and birthed the baby in the water and but she came out of it feeling quite lost and um, alone, unsupported. And then um, comparing that to her birth experience with true continuity of care with a midwife and you know with a doula and um she she was astounded how differently she felt coming out of her second birth experience so and that then raised the question for her which fed into the work we did about why were those two experiences so different and what was the fundamental differences that you know made it such an extraordinary experience so and in um, the just to add there, Rue, is that not only, you know, we're, lo we're looking at the emotional trauma, but for Zoe personally, her second birth was actually harder physically than the first one. You know, yeah. he, he was posterior. Um, he was born posterior. He was four and a half kilos. Um, and physically it was a lot harder on her, but and yet she came out the other side of it feeling so much better about it <clears throat> and her own experience of mothering and birthing. And I think, yeah, and so... We, we kind of just went went down that road of, you know, relationship-based care and what that means to women regardless of how the birth unfolds. I think that's also, I mean, maybe this is, uh, it's probably simplifying it a little bit too much, but it, it does relate to what you're saying. And it's something that I often say to people, firstly on this podcast, but also when I'm teaching people, is that it doesn't necessarily matter how the birth goes, it's how you feel about it. So like you're saying, a harder a harder birth doesn't necessarily mean that it's a worse birth and I think sometimes like you said that first time for Zoe on paper it looked very 
you know good and simple and it's people almost saying oh you know you're so lucky like you had such a good birth and Mm. the person you may not feel like that it's how you feel about it not necessarily kind of what happens if you feel happy in your choices and you know confident and empowered by what you're deciding to do throughout your labor that's a huge thing in how you're going to feel afterwards what I see in my own practice um, which was a bit of a catalyst for it as well um, and then through interviewing women and men for the and partners for the um, documentary it, it was it, it's so much about the relationship you know like women can have uh, and, and about coercion really about not feeling like they're in control of what what has happened to them um, and not feeling like that they were actually part of the decision making about what happened you know so when you have a relationship with a woman it's very different it's so different I can't even explain the difference because you know, you're, you're following up, like the way that I work and many midwives that work in continuity of care is that you continue to see that woman for six weeks postnatally and, you know, you're, you're there for the whole experience and you're very invested in it and know exactly what she wants and, and hope that she achieves that. But, you know, even if the course deviates from what she's wanting to do, you're there to debrief it with her. You're there to be able to get, allow her to ask all the questions about, you know, why do you think that happened? But also, um, you know, you don't just close the door on her at the end of your shift and never see her again and never think about it. Like you're going to be seeing her now for six weeks. So you want to be treating her very, very well, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and all the research shows it. I mean, not only are outcomes better with continuity midwifery care, but also midwives are more satisfied in their in their work, working in that in that field, you know. So, yeah. And that's what we, we hoped to get across because, we, you know, our slogan is one woman, one midwife with yeah. the idea that every woman, regardless of who she is or her socioeconomic economic status or her risk factors, um, should have the opportunity to have their own midwife and to be able to navigate and move through the pregnancy and birth and postnatal period with the same person. So that's kind of, yeah, one of the ultimate aims really isn't it if everybody within the maternity system could have that continuity of care which we know just isn't happening at the moment I mean in the UK obviously you guys are in Australia so slightly different I guess but still um pretty similar but yeah we definitely don't have that continuity of care um in my first pregnancy my community midwife so typically you see a community midwife for all of your appointments and it's usually the same midwife so you do have a level of continuity while you're pregnant but my my um, midwife in my first pregnancy she actually went off ill so I then saw a different midwife every single time which I suppose in a way had a benefit because I had a home birth so that then meant that I'd met most of the midwives which meant I you know I would have known the one that came to me for my home birth but I also every time I had to talk back through you know, myself yeah. and my wants and, you know, my history. Um, and I suppose, yeah, we just don't have that continuity. Sorry, the dog's barking. Um, <laughs> I teach a lot in the US and I know that their maternity system is definitely not um, as even as advanced, you know, in terms of their care as as is anyway. But they do have a higher continuity of care than we do in the UK anyway, because they typically see the same 
even if it is a doctor, they typically see the same doctor um, throughout their whole pregnancy and then their labour as well. But yeah, not. I, I know the US system also has, leaves a lot to be desired. So um, I won't go into that one. But yeah, it's definitely the same here. So the ultimate goal, that would be amazing if you had everyone had that. And, you know, it just off just seeing. So with my second, not to talk all about myself, with my second, I had a home birth and I didn't know the midwives that came out to me. They were lovely, but I didn't know them. But right at the end, their shift changed and my community midwife came and the the relief I felt when I saw her, Mm. like I just felt Mm -hmm. like, and I hadn't seen her as much as, you know, I'd seen her occasionally for an appointment. Um, But I just felt like someone I really knew came in and I felt really like safe all of a sudden so yeah it completely makes such a difference to how you feel and experience and that's exactly it and and when we look at statistics here I mean in Australia when three women come out of their births feeling traumatized we just when when we learned that statistic we just you know we just thought this is not okay and we need to look at how we can do this better this is ridiculous yeah. The cesarean rate is, you know, keeps rising as well year by year. So, yeah. I had it actually today. I, I just posted um, something about um, on my Instagram about how to avoid unnecessary cesareans. And I was, I was totally expecting some comments because, you know, you always do, don't you? Um, but, yeah, I just read one that said, like, I think, you know, we're, we're lucky that we have the choice and I personally believe happy healthy mom, healthy baby is all that matters. And it's again, going back to what you said, that that's so what people say, and so many people say it all the time, that's all that matters. And there has to be like more than that. That's such a low bar that of course, okay, yeah, everyone's healthy at the end of it, but that's very low. (laughs) Also how fabulous that she has that choice. You like, she's right. We are in a place where she does. It is amazing that she can have that choice. And yet, a woman, I mean, in our country, in Australia, a woman can't choose to birth in a lounge room with her own midwife, right. you know, unless unless they pay for it. Right. Yeah. You, know, I mean, yeah. you can have major abdominal surgery on request to remove your baby if that's what you want and go for it if that's what you want to do, but you can't just have a, have a home birth, you know. So, yeah, we're, we're, it's all a bit skew-if. But and and flip that, we also believe that if if a woman wants to have an elective cesarean and has you know reasons to choose that, that she should have a midwife by her side throughout that because that's not the easy way either. You know that's that's not there is no you know secret trapdoor out of this. It doesn't matter how you birth your baby; you need support. Yeah, definitely. and and you know so across the board, wherever a woman chooses to give birth. Yeah, that 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 support is never irrelevant. So, has there been since you've released the documentary? Has there been? Have you noticed any changes? I mean, these things take a while, don't they, to sort of filter through and start to change? But have you yourselves, kind of in your in your practice, noticed any differences, or is it just pretty much? The same? I have, but it's also it's also coincided with COVID. Um, so, and that's really changed things up in this country for, for home birth, particularly for home birth, because, you know, I don't know what it was like in England during COVID, but there was, there was a time where, you know, you couldn't have anybody come with you to the, to the birth. Um, you certainly couldn't have visitors or family come in or children or anything like that. So we had a huge surge and still are of people wanting to have home births and 
not necessarily people that would have otherwise chosen it, you know. So I think it's hard to determine because yes. it, it all coincided with, with birth time and, and COVID. Um, but I know that all the midwives in Sydney were completely flat out and, you know, turning away five, six women a week saying, wow. you know, so we're fully booked, yeah. So we need more midwives, but and that's part of the issue is, is that, that the workforce isn't there either um, no, it's because it's... Fun. It's a tough gig, you know. There's a lot of politics around it, um, and because there's not a lot of support out there for it, you, you've got to have a bit of thick skin to to work in this way. So we yeah. during um, yeah during, so during COVID for us, we had similar with the hospitals and the birthing centres. In that a lot of people were uh, birthing alone, uh, particularly you know if they're like, if because partners typically weren't allowed in until you were in kind of established labor and that sometimes obviously can be missed or you know it goes quickly and they don't mm-hmm. believe that you're in labor or whatever so yeah many people did end up birthing alone um, and then the other thing that happened here was because we are obviously publicly funded um home lots of home births were just cancelled like a lot of the services were just withdrawn because they are provided by the hospitals and the hospitals needed the staff in the hospitals so Mm. um many people had their home birth service um cancelled so they had no choice but to go into the hospital and a lot of birth centers were closed for the same reason so it actually yeah it's been pretty tough actually for a lot of women who have wanted to be at home and the options just been completely removed because as well we also had an issue with independent midwives during covid not being able to get insured and things like that so yeah. then that option wasn't there either. So, yeah, it has been quite tough. And a lot of people that I've taught have said, I, you know, I wanted a home birth, but the service got suspended. So I couldn't, I had no choice. And it was kind of leaving mm. people in tricky situations where many more people were deciding to free birth and things like that. And, you know, if the option gets taken away, your only choice really is to either go to the hospital or to do it alone. That was the only yeah. option. That, that definitely happened here too. The free birth rate has really risen. Yeah, it definitely been a thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, what do we do? I don't know. It's, I don't know the solution to that one. But and I think you know, unfortunately for us, the time, the timing in terms of you know when we're trying to get policy changed and actually look at what's happening within the health department, it, it's just been overridden with COVID. You know, I mean, they, they're absolutely what, what, yeah, we're not in a situation where, so it doesn't feel like a lot has changed, but there's definitely a lot of people that are looking at it. And there's definitely, we've, I mean, the documentary's gone beyond the choir now, you know, like usually all the birth workers and all the people that are into birth come and watch something like that. And then it filters out and it's really filtered out to lots of people that wouldn't otherwise have seen it, you know, so that's great. And I think, you know, I mean, our, I guess our, our hope is that, you know, one birth at a time, really, if we can just yeah. change it for one woman and one birth at a time, then we, we're meeting our goals, yeah. And yeah. we get messages all the time from women, from midwives, midwives who have, you know, changed their practice and left the system and gone independent, or women who have changed their plans. You know, we're getting messages like that day by day by day by day by day you know all the time people and from all over the world which has been really magical as well you know this is essentially you know as you said it is an Australian-based documentary but it resonates 
it has what's been amazing to us is that it has resonated worldwide. It has just been extraordinary how it has been received. Um, so, you know, that, as Joe said, one birth at a time, you know, really at the moment in this time when policy doesn't seem, you know, is not possible to kind of budge in any positive direction, that seems to be the most effective thing we can do right now. Also, we, we um, have undertaken a study uh, in collaboration with um, the University of Western Sydney here, which the results are coming out shortly, which has been, what did we end up getting? Something like 8,000 participants, Joe, is that right? Yeah, where we it's called the birth experience study, the best study, and um, and that will be an incredible piece of um, you know work to present the findings of that. So that was where we really wanted to turn the stories into statistics, you know, so that we've got two sided, um, a two pronged approach to trying to generate change at some point. Yeah. Selena, Selena has um, created a, an online hub as well, which is through our website, Birth Time website, um, and people can subscribe to it. And there's like the full length interviews because obviously, you know, we interview so many people and sometimes only two or three lines of what of their interview ended up in the film. So um, there's some really great long, long interviews, so 30, 40 minute ones. Um, and then we've also added new interviews. So we're continuing to interview other people. We interviewed Athena Hammond, who's a, um, a doctor of midwifery and a birth trauma counsellor. Um, and we've got other people, you know, that we're going to be interviewing soon. And there's beautiful birth um, films that Jerusha's made. And, yeah, so there's a lot of education on through our website as well um, that Selena really has, She's she's been the the person that's done all of that amazing work. So yeah. She's been amazing. And a lot of your amazing, you know, UK midwives over there like Sheena Byram and Sue Down and Leslie Page, you know, full-length interviews of people, professionals from around the world, which we were so lucky to get hold of during the filming process. Yeah, so we couldn't just leave those tucked in a hard drive. So the, the online hub is an amazing facility for you know, pregnant women to educate themselves, but also for midwives, birth workers, doctors to actually educate themselves across the board from a whole vast array of different, you know, obstetricians, midwives, doulas. Yeah. It was, it was so hard to cull them. It was the hardest. <laughs> <laughs> that line's got to come out. No, that's got to stay in. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was, it was a really difficult. I mean, Jerusha did a lot of it, but then um, we sat down and did the last bit together and geez it was hard wasn't it Rue it was it was really hard and it, it was a true collaborative project which you know we're really proud of in that there wasn't a boss you know there wasn't no one took the lead we really had to agree on everything between us um and it, it paid off you know it was bloody hard it was a very hard process how long did it take you to make kind of from start to finish five years wow Mm, it was a big one. We, and, and honestly, we just started. We had, we had absolutely no idea. One day we just, we booked Hannah Darlin in who, you know, is an Australian midwife professor and we, we just booked her in and we started filming and it went from there. And, and we just, it was like, what's the next step? What's the next step? We never had, we didn't have any foresight of what was to come in a year or two and didn't have any idea that in five years' time, you know, we would be, releasing a film and doing a national tour and for it being released worldwide. 
I mean, I always say if Joe and I were making this film on our own, it would have been viewed by five of our friends in our lounge room and that would be it. <laughs> but it, it, it just it just went, you know, it went. It became its own beast and with the drives of all of us in different directions, it just, you know, it just. You followed, you followed the story and just kind of made, I guess, what needed to be made. You just went with it. and Yeah. Yeah, well, we just kept interviewing and then and it, we were interviewing and we were following women on their journeys of pregnancy and birth and so we were on call you know to go and film women when they went into labor and then it got to a point where we'd done something like 60 interviews and we went we probably need to stop at some point and do something with this yeah. and you know and and, and, and no, absolutely no storyline like we didn't know what we were going to do with it no so that came in a five-month edit process, you know. It just it just evolved, and then we had to do post-production. And you know, the brilliance of Zoe in that in that sense, she came along, and you know, in some stroke of magic, you know, we ended up with an incredible post-production house um, who was who was um, doing post-production on Marvel films beside us. Wow. And yeah, so it just it it. I mean, we often talk about an entity called Madame Birth Time who we, we, often, we always say that this, this project was just absolutely divinely guided from something beyond us because it just it clearly needed to be made because well, it, just, it just kept going. What, so what I always think as well, and you talking about the, um, your hub that you have now and your website where you can get um, all of the full-length videos and things like that, I think that now we're so lucky in a sense because there is so much out there, like so much information. And my eldest daughter is only five, but even, you know, six years ago when I was pregnant with her, there wasn't as much like, you know, I couldn't go onto Instagram and find loads of different accounts just giving me free, amazing information. You know, it's just Mm. we are in a sense lucky that the a lot of the information's out there for people to go and read and, you know, really absorb. And I suppose it's just about encouraging people to do that. But, you know, people, people are, I mean, it's a slow thing, isn't it? Um, obviously, I'm a hypnobirthing teacher. So my message is about, you know, trying to get hypnobirthing out there and get people to really, um, you know, learn about what it actually is and understand what it is, which is slowly happening. But it's, yeah, it's a slow process, isn't it? Things don't happen quickly. Change doesn't happen quickly. But no. I think it's going kind of in the right direction where people are becoming more aware of mm. the shortcomings and what needs to change. Yeah, when I was having my babies, I didn't, I didn't even have a PC. I got, I got my computer when my, after I had two children and that's when I got an email address. So, you know, we had to go to the library and borrow books. <laughs> Very different. Actually, I've said this on this podcast before, but um, my nan, who's like 85, she said to me once, I was talking to her about what I do and things like that. And she made a comment that was something like, oh, we we didn't need any of that in my day. And I sort of thought, well, no, you probably didn't because things were actually probably much simpler in your day. And she had twins and then she had a, um, a second baby at home. You know, it was just very, that's just kind of, what they did it was much more normal it's it's almost the generation after her where things started to yeah. get very complicated and so now we do need these things uh, yeah she didn't which is great but yeah we we need them we need to be educating ourselves and finding out and fighting against all of the kind of um 
yeah medicalized information yeah. that's out there and, and things like that absolutely I just thought it was such a sweet comment you know it was it was really sweet they would just rock up to their local hospital or call their midwife to come over and have their babies and they'd be done. There was so it was no so fun. much simpler. Yeah. No. She said, you know, oh, you know, yeah, we just did it. But it's mm. it's so different now. It's it's so different. My mum's generation, you know, it's very medicalized. And f- even from being really young, she would talk to me about how awful it is. You know, it's just the message that has now come through from that older generation. And you know, we're trying to undo it. And and that is what is so powerful is those stories of the, that generation and also from the media, you know, that we get TV, film, you don't see positive birth experiences in any Hollywood movies or anywhere. You know, we're not fed that information from anywhere and that was something we were really passionate about in making the film was, was presenting. I mean, you can go and see this film, you know, on a big screen and you see real birth happened several times on a big screen which you know beautiful real raw birth and it's so and 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 funny in one of the um interviews we did for one of the film festivals that we got into in Canada or New York he said to us oh it's very brave of you to put birth on the big screen and I think it was Zoe said yeah but how crazy is that, that it is normal that we see violence, like the most extreme violence on our screens all the time, and that's okay, but seeing birth is brave. And Gosh, that just yeah. shows, you know, where we're at. And so that's something that we were determined to do and very proud of, but, you know, re- really representing uncensored birth in our film. And in your, both of you, in both of your opinions, why, what, why is it like this? What are the reasons? Why is birth like this? Why is it seen like this? How do you mean seen like this? You mean you know, why is it so um, taboo to to watch a birth, and why is it so me- over medicalized? And you know, what are the reasons? I mean, maybe that's too deep a question to answer in a short space of time. I but think, I think fear plays a really big part in it. I mean, um, fear from practitioners as well as you know, which then infect women um, with the fear. And like you say, you know, your your mum telling you the story of how terrible it was and that she had, you know, you hear the stories of I've had 36 stitches and I was in labour for three days. And, you know, so you're telling that to somebody throughout their whole life that they're going to expect that, you know, birth is this terrible thing to happen, have happened. But I think, um, I mean, the medicalization it's really around, it's about funding, you know, in Australia, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but in Australia, every woman has to be booked into the hospital under the name of an obstetrician because the only way that the hospital can recover funding is through the obstetrician. There's no funding for midwifery. Okay, so, you know, because of that, it, 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 there's a power imbalance. You know, at the end of the day, it's the obstetrician's say and the midwives in the hierarchy of the place are below that and they're always going back to the obstetrician in this is how it works in Australia you know a a midwife might be in a birth and everything's going well and it's all fine and they never need to call the obstetrician but as soon as there's one little deviation from normal the obstetrician is then called in and then it becomes this huge medicalized event you know and and the woman comes out traumatized and she tells all the friends and then they all freak out about what it's going to be like for them and you know so our our we really wanted to show positive birth 
And, you know, we, we didn't want it to be about home birth. It's, it wasn't really about that. It was more about the continuity. It's not really about place of birth, but because I'm a home birth midwife, we had a lot of access to, to that sort of footage. And that's where you really do see normal physiological birth is in, in a woman's home. Um, so, yeah, I think so much of it's about fear. Yeah. Yeah. And I, how do we change that, make a documentary? Yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah, definitely. And just educate, like education. And, you know, it is, it's these stories. And we grow up, yeah, like I, from a young age, was told it was just, you know, it's only 24 hours and you forget about it afterwards. And that's kind of the message that I had alongside all the TV shows and the celebrity uh, birth stories that they tell and sell to the papers which are always really traumatic and then you go on to your own friends having their birth experiences and then telling you how awful it is so you everyone and I think it is the case for everyone has these similar experiences in people I teach I always say I bet you've already been told numerous negative birth stories and they always nod and say yes like as soon as people find out you're pregnant they unload their negative views of birth on you don't they unsolicited most of the time so yeah you're kind of just surrounded by it you really have to want to see it differently to seek it out so yeah it's just the whole narrative around it I suppose needs to just change to it being something that is a normal part of life a physiological part of life um you know that isn't anything medical the majority of the time if we left it alone yeah, it's, yeah, maybe, yeah. What you were saying that, you know, so you, about what you were just saying about um, people telling their negative birth stories, I mean, that again, that's, that's trauma. I mean, and that's somebody that is just yeah. needing to unpack the story for themselves to be okay with it. And it, it's a lack of being able to debrief it. You know, it, it just goes back to continuity. It's, it is the answer, continuity of midwifery care. There's no other answer. That's it. Yeah, you're right. Because, <laughs> of course, these people need to talk about it, but the people they're talking about it to, it's not helpful for them to hear it. So it just is a big cycle, isn't it? Because who else exactly. do they tell it to? And and the people who have good experiences often feel, you know, that, that, that they can't really share those because they were lucky or they were, you know, they don't want to make anyone feel bad about that. I absolutely agree I mean, with that. I think people do say, oh, you were lucky. Or, mm. you know, oh, your labour was really quick. Oh, that's lucky. But, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. People are scared to share the positive stories. Yeah. Absolutely. So hence the cycle just keeps feeding around and around and around. It does. How do we break it then? Just education. Mm. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, uh, we, there's, there are all the statistics of what can change this. You know, there are so many studies done on the the, the power of continuity of midwifery care and they're, they're, all the statistics are there. But, so, but people, you know, most people, myself included, struggle to digest, you know, academia like that. And that so hence part of our decision to make a film, to make it digestible to the general public, to understand, you know, to, to, to really come to grips with what that means and what it looks like in a way that you can sit in a cinema or sit at home and, you know, stream it online. It's an hour twenty, and it's it's a it's like a small masterclass in so many aspects by professionals from all over the world, experts from you know various backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, so, it, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, the, 
the idea was to have, you know, to, to share women's stories and to share their journey of, of um, throughout their pregnancy and then their birth and what, what unfolds for them have that backed up by, by the evidence and the research and the professors saying this, this, this and this, but then actually seeing it unfold mm. for, for a woman in front, of, in front of your eyes so that you, you're not only, yeah, like Rue says, you're not having to read the stats. You've, the information's there just by viewing somebody's experience of it and that makes it much more relatable for everybody. What can people do if they, so obviously that continuity of care is really, really important, but obviously that isn't always available to everybody. Like what, in the meantime, while things are hopefully changing to accommodate that, what what can people do? How can they, you can't request, you know, over here, certainly you can't request a certain midwife at your birth and, and things like that. So what can you do? Can you make sure that you are, Talk, you know getting that support beforehand or through another means um afterwards I know that over here they do offer debriefs with the hospital after your birth if it's been particularly traumatic I don't think they massively advertise the fact that they do that or I'm not sure how helpful they are but I know that that is something that people can do but what what can you do in the meantime to to try and be supported in that way I think that's where doulas have come in, you know, and we can yeah. and we see that that you know countries with the least continuity of midwifery care or you know midwifery led care where women are actually looked after by midwives even if it isn't continuity um, have the the highest number of doulas working for them. I mean, in America, doulas are huge, and it's because they're they're stepping into a into the space that's missing for women, which really you know should have been midwifery but as soon as we went into a system mm. and made it fragmented we needed to have another profession that could step in really and be that support and so yeah I think doulas is a big one um, I'm, there's not a lot of doulas in New Zealand it's not a big profession over there and they have a huge amount of women that have continuity of midwifery care there that's how they, their system works you know it's interesting I'm not saying that doulas replace midwives but because they don't, or vice versa. But I think that's how it came about because that, that um, the continuity and the emotional and physical support was lacking because, you know, midwives were coming in and doing their shift and looking after three women in different rooms and couldn't stay with a woman. And, yeah, the, the role of the doula became really important and imperative in the, in the hospital system. Doulas are big in Australia. It's a big thing. Yeah, we. I think it's becoming definitely more popular here as well. You know, having a doula and, and understanding a bit more about what they do. And but yeah, yeah, I agree that having that support, emotional and physical support before, during, and after. Yeah, I worked as a, I worked in the UK as a doula in for two or three years back in two thousand and seven. And doulas were much more widely known then than they were here in Australia. And then since I've been back here for the last, you know, 10, 12, 13 years, the doulas have increased hugely in popularity. So I think what Joe says is right. I think, you know, a doula is one of the best ways that, you know, one of the best things you can do in the absence of midwifery, continuity of midwifery care. And I think, it, you know, education plays such 
such a huge part in that. As we say, you know, our grandmas didn't need to do that because they weren't going in against a big system, but we need to do that, you know. Women need to go in knowing that they can say no to anything that is is offered to them, which is not often presented as an offer. It's presented as a fait accompli. And, you know, it's it's the, the education um, and, and taking it, taking the power back into your own hands and forming your team, you know, as you say, talking about afterwards and debriefing, getting on board professionals if you need to, you know, debrief your birth and deal with that and, and unpack that before you go on to your next birth so it doesn't feed into that experience as well. So you said that you it's become a bit of a movement now and obviously you're doing your own uh, sort of different studies and research and things. What, what, are you, what are you guys doing now? Like in a nutshell, what's happening now with, with the movement? We're about to start filming a new set of interviews, which we will um, talk more about very soon. I think that's, um, and and they may, we're not sure at this point, we haven't absolutely decided how they will be presented. We're not necessarily making another documentary at this point. We're really interested in keeping, um, you know, the education going and exploring different avenues and different aspects of birthing. Um, so that that is the next step, you know, for us. Joe, you were going to say something there. I was just going to say, just in terms of the actual film, it's now um, you now people can download it now and just watch it at home, everywhere in the world. Um, and there's still lots and lots of screenings. You can host your own screening of it. It doesn't cost anything. Um, you basically just go through the website and you have to sell a certain amount of tickets for it to be able to be viable. But then it just goes ahead. So we're still getting, you know, from all over the world, people. Um, hosting screenings, which is exciting. And obviously we're, you know, um, adding more to the hub, Looking, t- talking about doing that. Yeah, and like Rue says, that our new lot of filming, we're not sure exactly how that will be presented. It might be a series. It might be, we just don't know yet. We're, we're doing the, exactly the same thing. That's how we roll. We- <laughs> <laughs> Start with an interview and work it out later. Before, I'd go with that. <laughs> yeah, just in terms of other work, I mean, I'm, I'm still practising very busy here in Sydney and Rue's starting to get back into her photography now that she's her little bubba's 10 months old now. Yeah. Um, you're just starting to come out of maternity leave and get yeah. back into the working world. Zoe's making her own um, series um, called Caftan Mama where she's doing a series of sort of alternative living, all sorts of different things that you can do uh, around sustainable living. Oh, um, yeah, she's doing it on another little tangent there, which is great. Um, and Selena's really doing a lot of work for birth time. That's what she's she's kind of doing a heap of work. Like, like yeah. said, she's, she's amazing. And, like, yeah, we wouldn't be here without her. So where can people find you and where can people go to watch and download? So we head to our website, which is birthtime.world. Everything is there. So you can download the film to stream for 48 hours from our directly from our website um, that's really straightforward to find that on there and we have the birth time app which is a really great way to uh, if you subscribe to the hub you can get the film on there you can get and, and the film's been made into an audio book essentially we've got merchandise on sale from our website 
So everything, go and have a squeeze around the website because everything is on there. Yeah, that's the best best place to find out everything about the hub and the film and what's coming up and follow our social media. Our social media handle is at Birth Time World on Instagram and Facebook. Things are always updated there and you can jump on our mailing list, on our email list to be updated first of what is coming up next. We'll also be doing some live events soon as well. I mean, that's mm. what people are obviously. We've done, we, we did a few live events when we were filming Birth Time. We did one. Pre-COVID. On, <laughs> Pre-COVID, yeah. We did one on um, human rights and feminism in childbirth. Um, and then we did another one on the birthing on country with the Indigenous women. Um, and then we did oh, Rhea Dempsey. Um, with Rhea Dempsey. Yeah, she's an amazing um, author and birth worker and childbirth educator and counsellor here in Australia who's um, written a few incredible books. So check her out. It's a good book to have, her two books. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at potentially doing another live event soon-ish now that venues are open again and once we can get to full capacity in venues, which is pretty soon, I think. We'll, and those we'll live look. events are always recorded and they're in the hub. So they're in there as part of the access that you can, you know, what you can see as well. Brilliant. Well, thank you, guys. It's been really interesting to talk to you. Is there anything you feel like you want to add to anything we've talked about? I don't think so. The gorgeous, the gorgeous Nikki Leap and Pat Brody have recently, we've lost them here from Australia. They've moved back to the UK uh and so and they're you know they're really flying the birth time flag over there they're doing some really great stuff um but we're really open to a uk birth time tour (laughs) you'll be there my baby's grandparents are there so yeah there's there'll be lots to come this is not the end this is only the beginning Definitely. And, we, and this podcast has listeners everywhere. So obviously a lot of UK and a lot of US, but also uh, Australia and New Zealand. And actually some of the countries it reaches is amazing. Like, so yeah, hopefully it will be uh, great. listened to and, um, you know, taken in by many, many people all across the world, which would be fantastic. But thank you so much. It's been really interesting talking to you. And as I said, like, I, I, it was a little while ago that I watched it, but I loved it. And I think I was crying after about a minute of watching it like I, I can't remember what happened at the beginning but I was sat sobbing and my husband came in and he was like are you okay and I just yeah I just yeah it was very moving and really really interesting so thank you so much for making it because we need we need this stuff we need it so it's incredibly helpful so thank you and thank you for coming to talk to me as well Thank you so much for having us on, Claire. Thank you, guys. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. A big, big thank you to Joe and Jerusha for talking to me. I really had um, such a lovely time talking to them. And it was just so interesting to find out a bit more about how they made the documentary and kind of what's been happening since they made it as well. I will put a link below for how to... Uh, purchase the documentary there's also a discount code attached to it so I believe it's like 10% off if you purchase through the code um and yeah I would just advise you to watch it I mean part of what I talk about and part of what I teach is how important education is and really being aware of what is happening within the maternity systems because really when you're aware of it you can better navigate your way through it so I personally would recommend everybody to to watch it because it is um, really, really interesting and really good.
So I'll leave the link below, as I said. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll see you in two weeks' time.